Well, Psalm 7, beginning in verse 1, Hear now the holy, the inspired, the infallible, and inerrant word of God, written for you and for me today. A meditation of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. O Lord my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me, and deliver me lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil to him who was at peace with me, or have plundered my enemy without cause, Let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth and lay my honor in the dust, Selah. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded. So the congregation of the people shall surround you for their sakes, therefore, return on high. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his very word to us. Well, congregation of the Lord, when slander is made against you, or made against your friends or family, and you hear of it, it affects you, doesn't it? It affects you deeply. And though we may try to blow it off and act like it doesn't matter or bother us, it still hits the heart, even if it was carried out by somebody that you would view as an enemy. Yes, when it hits, it may stir up anger and frustration. However, often for believers, it does much more. In Psalm 7, we find that David wrote this psalm under such a circumstance, as he was the object of slander. And there's important background that we need to understand that lays the groundwork for David's song here. If you turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 16, we see that there. 2 Samuel chapter 16 beginning in verse 5, we read there, Now when King David came to Baharim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. And he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Also Shimei said thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil, because you are a bloodthirsty man. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? 
Please, let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with with you, you sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, See how my son, who came from my own body, seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite? Let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, throwing stones at him and kicked up dust. Now the king and all the people who were with him became weary, so they refreshed themselves there. Beloved, we see great trial. We see cursing, slander, but yet we see the work of the Lord in the heart of the king to calm even his own heart, his own people, from doing things that they didn't need to do at that time because he knew what the reality was. He knew what the truth was, and he guided them accordingly. But yet we hear this psalm, this song from David in Psalm 7. And so tonight, let's consider David's prayer for deliverance in verses 1 and 2. His plea for divine examination in verses 3 through 5. And his plea for divine judgment in verses 6 through 8. And before we look at verse 1, let's consider the introductory instruction, which is also in the text of inspired scripture, which identifies the context. It says, A meditation of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. Beloved, the word for meditation in Hebrew is shigayon which is a song or it's a poem composed under strong mental emotion. It's a wild and and passionate song with rapid changes in rhythm. And David wasn't the only one to sing such a song. The prophet Habakkuk sang such a song in prayer to the Lord in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 1 which he began by saying, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. Wonderful passage, wonderful song by the prophet Habakkuk. I commend it to you for your study in the future. Habakkuk chapter 3. But here in Psalm 7, David sang this passionate song to God for a specific reason. And we, we know, we learn, that it was because of the words of Cush, a Benjamite. Now, who is Cush, this Benjamite? Well, David referred to one of two people. One, 
He may have referred to Saul, whom he may have called Cush, believing it was indecent to call him by his proper name. Or secondly, Cush may have been one of Saul's commanders or advisors, who was of the tribe of Benjamin. Of Benjamin. Scripture teaches us that Saul had great confidence in the Benjamites. And we find this confidence expressed in Saul's question in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites! Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards, and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? So we see this great respect and standing that had been granted to the Benjamites. And here he asks, would you get such treatment from them? You've gotten it here. Saul had great confidence in them. And so we know that these words of Cush were slanderous. They were malicious accusations against David. And therefore, David does what? He, he doesn't go and, and kind of toil within himself and, and try to figure this out within his own strength. No, he, he comes to the Lord in prayer and he seeks his help and deliverance. We've seen this theme, right, repeatedly, even in Psalms 1 through 6. And the ones penned by David's hand in 3 through 5. He comes seeking God's help and deliverance. In verse 1, we see this to be true. O Lord my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me. Beloved, David didn't trust Saul or Cush as far as he could throw them, for they were after him. There likely weren't a lot of people that David could trust. And yet he knew that he could and must place his trust in the rock of his salvation. David's hope and confidence was in God's favor and his faithfulness to make good the promises that he had made to David. And we see that as he goes on in this song. He further says in Psalm 31, beginning in verse 14, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Very similar language to Psalm 7. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. David's earnest prayer for deliverance. Indeed, for there would be dire consequences if the Lord didn't intervene and deliver him. In the absence of a deliverer, he would, as he says in verse 2 of Psalm 7, he would be torn by them as if they were lions. Verse 2, lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver. Beloved, lions can be vicious. We've talked much in recent texts and sermons about lions and their imagery in the scriptures. 
the actions, the, the fierceness of the lion, the ravaging nature of the lion. They tear apart, they destroy, they devour their prey. Except when there's a deliverer to intervene. One who can protect or fend off the lions. One who can keep them away or even slay them. Saul or any of his followers would make short work of his death and destruction in a fashion that would be similar to the cruelty and the power of a lion. For they would act like their father, the devil. And with his power and approval, as he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. David's prayer here is much like his words, even as we look further in Psalm 31, at verse 18. He says, Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously, against the righteous. Speaking of himself in reference to his enemies. Indeed, beloved, the the, the Lion of Judah would deliver and still delivers his people from our enemies. There is a great deliverer. David knew him. David was confident. He knew his God. He knew his salvation. He knew his sustaining grace. He knew his protection. He knew that the Lord surrounded him. Even as he said in previous Psalms, he surrounded him like an all-encompassing shield. There is a deliverer. His name is Jesus Christ. But David goes on to praise his covenant Lord in Psalm 31. If we stay camped there for a moment. The next verse, verse 19, he says, Oh, how great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. I may be in the worst place on earth, David knew. I may be in the most risk and risky place and dangerous place, even as Saul and his men pursue me. These men are cursing me. They're kicking, up, they're kicking up dust. They're doing all of these things to try to intimidate me. They're throwing stones at me and my people. And yet, how good are you, O Lord? How great is your goodness? We must trust him in the presence of our enemies. We must trust him like David did in the presence of the sons of men. In Psalm 7, David then makes a plea. Considering all this, considering his his sincere plea for deliverance, he makes a plea for divine examination. Wait, what? What? Let's pay attention. Verse 3, O Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, and let's stop there for a moment. As we begin to consider his plea, it's good to know what David was accused of, because this is now what he's 
bringing himself into the presence of God. He's there as the judge in the courtroom of God and saying, look at me, if, if, if I have done this, if, if there's sin in my hands, Lord, he's humbling himself before the mighty God. What was he accused of? In, in 1 Samuel 24, beginning in verse 8, says, David also arose afterward, went out of the cave, and called out to Saul, saying, My lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And notice verse 9. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Beloved, David's accusers charged him with making evil designs against Saul before Saul became one of David's enemies. They were up to no good. Yes, indeed, sure, Saul was upset. He was mad. He was livid that David would take the throne. That the, Saul, that the Lord would appoint and place David on the throne. And in verse 3, David shows us what? He shows us the insight of a godly man. The insight of a godly man. Whereas a proud man would stand in strong objection in his heart, saying, how dare they make such slanderous accusations against me? And and though he may have a clear conscience regarding his innocence, a wise and a godly man has spirit-wrought awareness that he may have blind spots. He may be blind to sin in thought, word, or deed, and so he comes to the Lord and he bears himself open to be examined. And therefore, David also shows us the wise words of a humble, godly man. As he shows and knows his weakness, but he also knows his Lord, and he goes to him knowing that he may have filthy hands. He goes to the holy God knowing that he may have filthy hands. But he knows that that is the good and right thing to do. It is the godly thing to do. David had no court on earth to appeal to. His prince, his own son, who should have righted him, was his sworn enemy. But he had the court of heaven to fly to, where the righteous judge sits enthroned. And what filth was David thinking about? Well, look at verse 4 of Psalm Psalm 7. If I have repaid evil to him who was at peace with me, or have plundered my enemy without cause. Beloved, we are called to be peacemakers and peacekeepers. Remember Romans 12, verse 18. If it is possible... As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. 
of all the things that we must not do is to do something hurtful and sinful like plundering or robbing those that we are at peace with when we have no cause. And so David pleaded that the Lord would examine his heart, that he would shine his divine exposing light into David's case and reveal any injustice that existed that David couldn't see. David's words, if I have done this and if I have repaid, express a desire for God to tell him if he had and are similar to his request to be searched by God. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, but it is a wonderful passage to study and to even keep in practice in our own lives. Where David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Beloved, to be searched by the living God, for some can be a terrifying thing. For most, would be a terrifying thing. Hmm. But, but to those who are redeemed by Christ, to those who call God Father, who know that we are children in His family and His loving embrace, even under His chastening hand, when we fall and we go astray, we cry like David, search me, Lord. Cleanse me. If there's something there, bring it to the surface. Expose it, because it needs to be gone. If I have done something against your law, I need to repent. It's a hard thing without the grace of the Lord in our lives and in our minds to actually have these words come out of our mouths in sincerity. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, the things that consume my mind, the worries that I have that plague me. Bring it all out. See if there's any wickedness in me and and see what he says. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Don't leave me to try to find the path on my own. Lead me in your ways. And we know the Lord promises that he will. Praise the Lord. But it's not just that David desired that the Lord would search and expose. But he also expressed desire and the consequence to any sin that would be. In verse 5, he says, Let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth. And lay my honor in the dust, Selah. Again, Selah is very poignant here. Pause and meditate on that. Think about what he's just said. The gravity of it. The seriousness of it. 
In other words, David was content in requesting, Lord, if any of their accusations are true, remove your all-surrounding shield. Remove your protection and let Saul and his men come over me like a flood of horses. Trample me down and reveal that I am truly dishonorable. If I am guilty, make that clear. See the progression described here in the action words in this verse. Let them pursue, let them take, let them trample and destroy and lay it or or bury it with no hope of restitution. Beloved, the reality is, is that we are all sinners who have filthy hands and filthy hearts. Whether David was guilty of anything that would bring truth and legitimacy to any of these accusations or not, he knew that he had sin in his heart and in his life. He was a sinner in the hands of God. If he was guilty of any of these things, let him take me. Bring justice to bear. I deserve your punishment. I deserve their success and what they want to do to me. Let them rend me like lions and tear me into pieces. Oh, beloved, praise the Lord for Jesus. For we are guilty sinners in the hands of an angry God. But our God is great and merciful. Our God is loving and kind in Christ. And he has poured out his divine judgment upon his own son for us. For Christ took our place. But yet David, standing in confidence of his innocence against Saul, goes on to plea for divine judgment. Look at that in verse 6. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up your, lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded. David here pleaded with God to stand for him in his case. Arise, O Lord, in your righteous and holy anger against their sinful rage. That was his plea. His plea is similar to the psalmist in Psalm 94, verse 2. Arise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. The Lord resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. In Psalm 7, David's desire was, God, glorify yourself and show yourself to be mighty. Show yourself to be just and holy. Show yourself to be above them. Lift yourself up, O Lord, and give them a deadly blow. Execute a just and a righteous sentence against Saul, considering his actions against David's advancement to the throne and all that Saul had crafted against him, along with his men. But there's a reason in verse 7. So the congregation of the peoples shall surround you, For their sakes, therefore, return on high. See a couple of things in this verse. 
David's words here regarding the congregation describe God's people in Israel having witnessed God's justice and his holiness and his goodness would then gather together and would worship the Lord, which was severely neglected under Saul. But also some scholars interpret David's request for God to return on high for the sake of the people to be either pointing to Christ's ascension and session as he returned and is seated in heaven, ruling and reigning at the Father's right hand, high and lifted up, high and exalted, with all judgment having been given to him by the Father. Or it may also point us to Christ's second coming, when Jesus will return on high and execute judgment on all. But in verse 8 he says, again with confidence, The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. See how David moves from petitioning the justice and judgment of God to proclaiming that he indeed will bring it to all people. And he also welcomes God's verdict on his own case against Saul. I'll leave you with this, beloved. Have you ever been slandered or falsely accused? Have your enemies gone after you or your family in ways like this? What was your response? Who did you go to or turn to for help or action? Did you, did you take the matter to the Lord and did you plead his mercy and help? It's good and right to Seek to act in a godly manner, especially when evil has been done against you or your family. It's good and right to petition the Lord in prayer with serious and fervent pleas. It's good and right to pray that God would deliver you in the midst of such evil and persecution. And so we need to be like David going to the Lord regularly, asking Him to examine your heart and life, to expose and deal with any sin that's in you. We too often shy away from this because we're fearful. We're anxious about what's inside. Or sometimes we know what's there and we don't want it to be exposed. There's too much at stake to lose it while we enjoy playing with it. But that is deadly. Though it may be uncomfortable, humble yourself today and prayerfully desire to be searched by your sovereign. He knows all and sees all. There is nothing hidden to him. However, such exposure is good in our sanctification and in God maturing and perfecting us as his disciples. And finally, don't be afraid or hesitant about pleading for the Lord to stand with and for you in carrying out justice. Remember that your Lord Jesus patiently endured the slander of the wicked because he committed himself to him that judges righteously. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.23, 
And we must do the same, beloved, trusting that God will do all things well and he will make all things right. Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can run to you. We can plead our case to you. We can bring our petitions, our needs, our fears to you. And you hear us and care for us and teach us and lead us in the ways that are right. Lord, I pray that every single person here would have a spirit-wrought desire and humility to be searched by you. To have all the dark places, the skeletons in the closets, the pains and the hurts, the things that we may be protecting that are evil, that all of those things may be exposed for what they are and brought to light, and that you would truly cleanse us and lead us in the way of everlasting. Father, we thank you that you are the just judge and that you will and do judge judge in righteousness. And so, Lord, cause us to trust you even more this day. And even when others tell us and try to convince us that we can't or shouldn't, may we never listen. And may our eyes always be in loving gaze and rest and trust upon the Almighty. We pray this in Christ.